But now then, right now, I'm going to open the floor for testimonies. And before I just open the floor to everybody for a testimony, I had a lovely lady, uh, her and her husband are here today, and she hadn't been here in a year, but she came and told me what God has done for her since she was here and was at a healing school. When she began to tell me all the wonderful things God done in her life, I have asked her to come up and share with you, because have you noticed how much more weight it carries when the individual comes, gives the story? than it does when I tell the story. You know, so, Jan, would you come up here? I want Jan to tell you all what God has done for her. Her and her husband are here, and and she has just had a tremendous blessing from the Lord. Have you not? Amen. Amen. So, tell us what God has Tell us what your name is. Okay, uh, my name is Jan Lauderdale, and we live in South Grand Prairie, so that's, you know, the other side of the world from here. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I had a friend invite me to come. Uh, several people from the church that we had attended had, had come here, and the Lord had healed through your ministry. And um, so I came uh, with a friend that had come before. And uh, it was really funny because on the way over here, it's like an hour's drive, I was just telling her all the stuff that, that the Lord, had, I mean, that the doctor had just told me was wrong with me. I had uh, chronic fatigue syndrome. Uh, I'd just been tested for uh, one of three uh, diseases that was in a group of uh, diseases, which is uh, lupus, scleroderma, or polymyositis. The best one of those three was lupus, so I was hoping that it was going to be lupus. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's pretty bad, isn't it? Isn't that uh, bad? <laughs> and then I had uh, two types of viral pneumonia that lay dormant in my body until I get really, really tired and they just erupt, um, and various and other, other stuff. But... Um, so anyway, I was telling my friend this, and, you know, it still wasn't clicking with me. You know, I'm coming over here to this man that has uh, a you know, gift of faith and, and has a, a love for, you know, healing, uh, you know, see the Lord heal. And so uh, we came and uh, to the healing school, and one of the things I'd never put together before ever, you know, as I've been a Christian for 30 years, but never put together, uh, you know, if, if, you're, if you have sin in your life, you know, if you were repenting of it and you're asking the Lord to heal you, then, you know, then, then that, that's a, you know, the correlation there. I'd never seen those two things to, together before in, 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 uh, in the scripture. And um, so, uh, you know, as he was going through the healing school, you know, you were, you were, and so I was just asking the Lord to, you know, to bring to my mind, you know, things that, that I needed to, to repent of. And so I was going through this repentance, you know, while you were having the healing school. And then you call for people to come up for prayer. Uh, I came up and uh, asked him to pray for me, and he was just just sitting there, just you know, very peacefully in the chair praying uh, for me. And you know, I didn't really feel anything at first. And then I started walking back to my chair to get uh, my purse, and the, and I noticed that my hands weren't numb anymore. My hands have been numb for 15 years. And 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 the thing that I had never seen before was that at the point at this point in my life that I, that there was sin in my life. That was the first thing that happened was that my hands and my arms went numb as a result of that sin. And and nothing I'd never even really thought about that I'd done before either was I stopped praying and asking God to heal me whenever something, you know, was wrong with me in in that 15 years. So, you know, I'm at, you know, a lot of stuff is starting to happen to me. So anyway, he prayed for me. I started back to my chair. My hands were not numb anymore. And, I, and it just released the faith in me to believe that, that God would heal all these things that were, that were going on in my body. And so 
that first week, you know, was, you know I, I went through the warfare. I mean, it was like a moment-by-moment-by-moment warfare. But at the end of the week, I was feeling a lot better, you know, markedly better than the week before. And then week by week by week, you know, all of those things just, you know, I, and I don't have any symptoms of any of it anymore. Oh, <laughs> Do we serve an awesome Jesus, Jan? Amen. So Amen. You, you ain't going to sin no more, are you, girl? <laughs> No, not. <laughs> when Jesus said, purify yourself yes. with the word of God, now yes. that means something it to means you, doesn't it? It means something to me. It really does. Used to, we say, well, it's okay if we sin a little. God, yeah. he understands yeah, his yeah, grace yeah. is sufficient. Yeah. We can go ahead and sin and it yeah. don't have any repercussions. But now we know that's not that's true. That's not true. So yeah. when we sin, and that's amazing that you went back and thought that 15 yeah. years ago when you sin, your hands are I know. Well, I think the going, Lord, you know, the Lord just did it. I mean, he was just showing me this is where it started. Yeah. And I didn't even, you know, I didn't even put two and two together. I never even put that together yeah. until that moment. Yeah. And then after you repented, and then one of the things I got tickled at her, you know, what so many times when somebody comes up to pray, somebody grabs somebody and shakes them yeah. or push them down on the floor. Yeah. You know, and, and she's seen that. that and she yeah. says, here he's just sitting in a chair and he kind of laid his hands on me and yeah. asked the Father in the name of Jesus to do something. Have you got your sins repented of? She said yes, and she don't feel a thing. She gets up and starts walking off, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just takes all the numbness out of her hands and her arms. She thinks, whoa, this stuff really works. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how God does those wonderful things for us? Oh, it is. All we got to do is repent and believe Him, and then He heals us. Isn't it so wonderful? And so now then, you're never going to sin no more, are you? <laughs> no. No, not long, knowingly no. anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and the thing is, it's just, you know, keeping, you know, when we do, because we do stumble and fall from time to time. But when we do, it's just knowing that, you know, you take it right to him Amen. immediately and just oh, yeah, ask Lord, him to I forgive you. Up, yes, forgive I messed me. up. Forgive me. Oh, yeah. Amen. And so, you know, or ask him, you know, show me if there's yeah. something that I'm doing Amen. that's, you know, and he, he does. And then, <laughs> and then the next thing is. After you learn these things, you realize now that when the devil tries to come up on you, you don't have to yield to him no more with sickness and disease. He doesn't have that hold on me anymore. He doesn't. No, he, he don't have no him. hold on you no more. So whenever that roaring lion comes around devouring whom he may, he may not devour you yeah. no more. Right, Jan? Yeah. Well, that, that's one of the things I learned in that first week was, you know, it was just like I said, a moment by moment, just, you know, it was a battle. Yeah. You know, it was a fight, sure. you know. But I, I just, you know, I learned that, you know, I'm, I'm going to stand in faith and I'm not going to believe the symptoms that he keeps trying to put on me. You know, I, knew, I believe that he was starting that healing and he was going to finish what he started. Yeah, did y'all notice what she said? This uh, so tickled me. They diagnosed, or they had three tests for three different diseases and I'm hoping it's lupus. Yeah. <laughs> that was the best of the three. That will never happen again, will no, it? it? will not. That devil tries to come up on you. There ain't no hoping for no sickness and disease no. and no God. And you're going to kick him out with a word, Amen. right? Amen. Well, that's the other thing that that he said, you know, never heard before, too, is that, is that, you know, uh, I'd never heard anybody say before, you know, God designed us to walk in, in uh, divine health. And I never thought of that before. I thought, well, you know, for the big stuff, you know, that's really cool for God to heal the big stuff. But I never thought about the little stuff. And, and, and once I learned that principle and applied it to all the other things, it's like system by system by system, he's, he's healing the other things, too. It's like I had bursitis in my hips. I don't have that anymore. You know, Everything. Yeah, my, and I had uh, um, uh, some things wrong with my Achilles tendons, and that's okay now. And so it's just like system by system, he's just, you know, and it's really cool. He's making you whole. Yes. He's, just like he's he making promised. Me whole. Yes. He made yes. all of us whole on the cross, but we've got to get a hold of it by faith. Yeah. 
and then walk in it. Yeah. Wow. Praise the Lord for your great <laughs> testimony, girl. Wow. God is so wonderful. I praise the Lord for that. What a great testimony. You got to say something. All right. Praise the Lord. Yeah. What she didn't tell you is her husband's a minister. And they're going to Iowa the 15th of this month. Mike, right here with her. And Paul, when he was in Ephesians, that's what he says. I pray for everybody in here to get the wisdom and understanding of what God has prepared for every one of you. Amen. He wants this power to flow through you. Amen. And when you realize it's his power, and he already knows what's going to happen, what's going on. And now, look what he's done. He knows. He already knew they were going to Iowa last year when, oh, yeah. whenever this happened. <laughs> but Daddy had a plan. So now they're going up there and it's going to keep going. He wants us to realize it. But he says, I want you to use it. Amen. Your flesh, your flesh is weak. Your spirit's willing. You want to do it, but your flesh is weak. So as we pray, then that's what happens. One quick thing. I want to say one thing. Now, being a doctor. Something I came across this week reading. I want everybody to look at their, whoever's right beside them, just tell them how much they love them. I love you. I love you too, brother. Praise God. Amen. I love you too. Amen. Praise God. Now, let me tell you what you just did. The first line of defense in the body, and God gave you an immune system. The first line of defense is IgA antibodies. Anytime that you have compassion for another person, we can do this in the lab. It's been proven. That's what I was reading this article about this. It releases IgA antibodies, which stimulates your immune system. So when you have compassion for somebody, that's what's happening. So just think about what all of you just got from Daddy. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. I did not know that. <laughs> I guess I better learn to have more compassion for everybody uh, all the time. Walk in love all the time. Well, I will have to say, I, I, I started out this morning and reading and studying and everything. And, and uh, right up to the last minute, like I always do, make them outline everything. And, of course, this uh, Christmas and all this stuff, you know, uh, I, I got Cheryl some new clothes. Actually, I gave her the money to go buy her own because that way I don't ever make a mistake. You know, I, I can't I, I can't buy stuff myself, you know, and get the right stuff. So anyway, she went out shopping, got her some new clothes. So we got in the car, and of course we I'm, we're a little bit late. So run, get in the car, and I'm sitting there waiting on her. She come gets in the car. She jumps in the car, and looks at me, and I look at her, and we drive down the road just a little while, and she says, "You missed it this morning." And I said, "Oh, I love you." She said. No, you still missed it. I thought, oh, the new clothes, you're beautiful, honey. She said, now you got it. <laughs> so if, if you got, don't get such a hurry, you don't stop to tell your wife she's beautiful, especially when she's got new clothes on. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, you know, boy, how we get to where we take things for granted. Is that to, that's us, and that's men. You know, we don't think like you girls do. So you girls kind of have to drop a few hints once in a while. You know, like, you missed it this morning. You know, that, that gets your attention. What did I miss? 
So anyway, I'm a man. I make mistakes. <laughs> so when your woman drops a few little hands, like, you sure did miss it this morning. Uh-oh, what did I do wrong? Oh, I know. I forgot. I love you. No, you still haven't got it. <laughs> oh, but I do love you. I know that. You already told me that this morning, but... Oh, I know you're beautiful. That's what I was looking for. My new clothes. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious, a lot. So you guys got to realize I may be the pastor, but I still got flaws too. I'm trying to get over those. Lord, I repent <laughs> for my flaws. Lord, I repent. Anybody else got a testimony? Jan's was an awesome one. Anybody else got a testimony? You want to give God some grace this morning or this afternoon? Come up here. Praise the Lord. We'll take this and then we'll get into the Word. Praise the King. <laughs> Tell us what wonderful things Jesus has done. Well, it was um, uh, a lady called me and Naomi Busby and she was they were out shopping and she said, could you pray for me? And I said, yeah, what's, what's up? And she said, my back hurts. And um, she, she said, so I, I just thought, I was sitting here in the car and I thought I'd call you and get you to pray. So... I did, and uh, so two hours later, she called me, and she said, I could hear her husband in the background saying, praise God, praise God, praise God, and she said, I didn't tell you that it was really bad, that it had been hurting so bad, I could not hardly walk, and so I was having to sit in the car while we did uh, Christmas, you know, errands and stuff, and she said, so right after you prayed, she said, I opened the door to get out, and Don was coming out, and she said, no pain. She said, we have been everywhere and no pain. And, she, and, and what was Praise neat was just hearing her husband just so excited in the background. <laughs> Praise God. Praise Amen. God. Praise so, the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right. I guess since she told that one, I, I got, since Gloria was gone a couple of days this week, I had to answer the phone two days this week. And. And I called a lot of people, talked to a lot of people in those two days and nights. But uh, one of the ladies, an elderly lady, she called me and she said, I want you to pray for my daughter. She's having all kinds of problems. And so we talked a while, prayed for her daughter and everything. Then after we got through with all that, and she said something, uh, I I forgot exactly how she said it, but something about, I wished I was able to get up and do, do something in the kitchen. I said, well, what's wrong with you? She said, well, my back. She have a lady that lives with me, helps me because I have to walk with a cane. I said, "Ma'am, do you have your sins repented of?" See, Jan, that's the secret. See, do you have your sins repented of? She said, "Well, I, I, I'm sure I do." She said, "I try to stay repented up and try to walk in obedience to God's word all the time." Well, let me tell you, if that's true for you, and you're still letting the enemy beat up on you. You have sinned because you have un, you're in unbelief for the promises of God. And I told her, I said, ma'am, if you have all your sins repented of, I said, turn in your Bible. I said, do you have a Bible available? Yes. I said, will you turn over to Matthew 18, 19 and read that promise? She turned over to Matthew 18, 19. I said, now then, after she read it, I said, do you believe it? And she said, well, of course I do. Jesus said it. I said, okay, if you believe it and Jesus said it, then what did he say you and me together could agree on? She said, anything 
I said, now, do you think he meant that? She said, well, if Jesus said it, he meant it. I said, okay. So I'm going to pray the prayer of faith for you and ask the Lord to heal your back. And I did. And I said, thank you, Lord. I said, now, do you agree? She said, I do. And I said, well, then do you believe it? She said, I do. I said, well, then throw down your cane on the floor and stand up and walk in the kitchen. Now, then you've got to act on the word. I heard her cane hit the floor. She stood up, and I, I guess she had a remote phone or some kind, because she starts walking, taking two or three steps. I can tell she's walking. She says, there's no pain in my back. I said, isn't Jesus wonderful? And she walked all the way in the kitchen, all over the place. She said, this is awesome. I said, well, ma'am, after all, that's been written in your Bible for a long, long time. And it's amazing how we as Christians, now see, these are, this is the obedient bunch of Christians that are just living in unbelief of the promises of God. That little lady, she wouldn't have dreamed about talking evil about somebody else. She wouldn't have dreamed about lying, stealing, cheating, doing any of the things of the world. But her unbelief of the promises of God was a big enough sin it kept her down with her back where she could not walk. An obedient woman had allowed the devil to come upon her. Just like this powerful testimony that Jan gave here. When the enemy came upon her because of sin and they was going to diagnose her with three, you notice she hoped for the lesser of the one, which was lupus. You're going to hope for lupus? Give me a break. But that's all the knowledge she had at the time. She didn't realize she could walk in divine health. But when she came out here and got prayed for, and not by some crazy guy that pushes you down, just prays. And that's all I do. I don't get violent. I don't push you down on the floor. In fact, if you try to fall down when I pray for you, I try to hold you up. You know, now if I can't, me and you both may go down on the floor, but I'll try to make sure you fall gently. You know, if you do just totally, and I have had a few people do that, but I try to hold them because I know God's in control and He's the one that does the healing. I don't do any of it. I just pray the prayer of faith. That's all I, that's all I did for you, wasn't it, Jan? I just prayed the prayer of faith. And then you notice Jan fought her battle. She learned enough at a healing school how to fight her battle on and on throughout the year. Now she's through of everything. So you got a healed wife. So wow, what a testimony you have to start out in the ministry. Praise God. But let me tell you, Jesus is the healer. Well, let me tell you, he's the Savior also. You know, and that's something I've not taught on a whole lot about your eternal salvation. Now then, the Lord has inspired me in the last few months to start this series. And as of this morning, I had 31 pages of notes, and I'm only halfway through, I know. So this is going to be some kind of a series. I'm going to teach this on GLC for the next 15 weeks. This is going to be... When we go out there week after next on Thursday, and, and we actually go out Wednesday night, and then Thursday and Friday we're going to be uh, in the studios uh, making these 30-minute television shows both th- all day Thursday and Friday. And then Thursday night we're going to be on live on two-hour on primetime <clears throat> with GLC again. 
and Cheryl and Christy will be out there singing. But this next series, since there seems to be such a controversial issue, and I was raised up in a Baptist church all of my life, and I've heard this issue presented by the Baptist. In fact, I even said it, once saved, always saved. It makes no difference what you do. Once you become a child of God, you cannot lose your salvation. But when I began to research and read and study the Word of God, I found out there's two areas that change. Once you get saved, one thing I can say, if you get saved and you'll stay in obedience to God's Word and walk in love with Him, I guarantee, according to Hebrews 5, 9, 8 and 9, you have a Savior that is the one that's put in charge of eternal salvation for those that obey Him. Because I'm going to read that scripture to you. Hebrews 5, 8, Though He were a son, yet learned He obedience by the things which He suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Now, that's the part you've got to remember that's the most critical. In other words, let's look at it from a company standpoint. I went to work for a corporation years ago as a regional engineer. They offered, they agreed to pay me a salary. They hired me on as a regional engineer to go across this country to their operations, to look at the operations, to design equipment, build buildings, and so forth. And they agreed to pay me a fairly good salary. I worked extremely hard for them. Of course, I prayed, asked the Lord. He was my boss. I sought his counsel on everything, virtually. A few times I didn't, but as a rule, I always sought the Lord's counsel. And every year, for years and years and years, I got an appraisal performance from my VPs that I worked for. And without exception, it was outstanding in every area. I never had a mark anywhere on that appraisal other than outstanding. Now then, I got the maximum increases in pay every year also because they went by those appraisal performances, reviews. What if I'd have worked for them four or five years and developed a great, uh, you know, great example there with them and I'm doing good and they're saying Thurman's one of the best engineers we got. Man, he does such a great job. And I get all puffed up and say, well, if I'm that good, then I can just slack off. I don't have to do anything anymore. So they call me and say, the VP calls and I got to have you in Chicago at 8 o'clock in the morning. I said, well, chief, to get to Chicago at 8 o'clock in the morning, I got to get up at 4. Because I'm not going to do that. I'll get there by noon because I like to sleep in until about 8. <clears throat> and then I'll be there about noon. And he said, but i got to have you to stay up there four days. I said, well, today's Wednesday. You know, that, that Wednesday, I mean, today's Tuesday. That would be Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. That means I'd have to stay over Saturday. And I may be an, a, a salaried employee, but 
I, I quit about noon on Friday, and I'm going to fly back. I may not get the project done. He might put up with that nonsense for a little while. Not long, though, huh, David? Oh, I saw this look in David's eyes. Huh? This guy ain't going to work for me very long. So you mean you would fire me, David? Oh, gently, gently. <laughs> From a CEO, <laughs> that's quite an honor to be fired gently by a CEO. You know, <laughs> usually when you mess up two or three times like that, they just say, hey, you're out of here. N- nothing. Get out. But at least he's going to fire me gently. Isn't that something? Well, let me tell you, that's kind of the way it is with the kingdom. I didn't realize, but as I started researching the Word of God, wow, what I found. And I'm still finding it. And it's blowing me away. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to teach you, can you lose your salvation? Is it possible? But out of this survey and all this study I'm doing, Right now, up front, I'll tell you there's two areas you can go. Number one, you can become a saved child of God and walk into walk in obedience to God's Word, walk where He wants you to, and like I said, I guarantee He'll pour out blessings upon you, and you will be one of those when we sat up here a while ago, faith, I want to be, hear Him say when I get he- to heaven, Well done, faithful servant. You can have eternal salvation. And you can get home one day and you can receive a great reward. But then you can take the other path, getting saved and serving Him for 5 or 10 or 15 years, and then decide, I'm going to slack off. And so you start slacking off. Now, that path goes into two paths I've learned. One of those, you're really his child, and you're getting off the path, and he'll do everything he can to bring you back on that path, and in that path is sickness and disease for the Christian. That's where sickness and disease is. You're sinning. You're not walking pure and holy before him now. But you've decided to take one of the wrong paths. And he will put sickness and disease upon you and torment will come upon you to try to bring you back to repentance. And if you don't come back in his sovereign time, he will take you home prematurely. And when you get home, you will not be one of those servants that he says, well done. It's scary. You may get to be to heaven, be in heaven. But the other path, that saved person that takes that other path that goes down it, that does not hear, that rejects everything, I'm going to show you from the Word of God, and even today, where you can lose your eternal salvation and you can be damned to hell, but yet you were one time, you were a Christian. Now then... <clears throat> There's a lady that works for us in the ministry that when I first started talking about this, we were sitting around the table there having 
tea or something one day, and all of us were talking about this. And she said, Thurman, I'm so glad you're going to teach this. She says, when I was a young woman, 18 or 19 years old, she said, I was saved, born again, going to church. And then I met this boy at church. Me and him got real friendly. And first thing you know, we were young and we got involved in a sexual relationship. I know that never happens to young people today, but it did to this young couple. Probably one of the biggest sins out there. But anyway, they got involved in sex once in a while, so it wasn't long. They thought they'd just move into the same apartment. You know, it's so much cheaper for two of you to live in one than for both of you to have an apartment. I mean, we're both Christians. God understands. We're both Christians. We both go to church. So we're sitting there one afternoon listening to Christian music, living in an apartment together in sin. And she said, I decided to go for a walk. And she said, I'm walking down the sidewalk just happy as I can be as a saved girl. And said, the Lord spoke to me audibly and told me. He said, Gloria, if you die in this sin, you're going to hell. Now, when God says that to you directly and you hear his voice, it, Deborah, it carries some weight, doesn't it, girl? And it did with her, too. She went back up to that apartment, looked at that boy right now and said, you touch me for the last time. It's over. She said, God just spoke to me and said, if I die in this sin we're living in, I'm going to hell. That means you're going to hell too. And we both think we're saved. So she said, I'm repenting today. And she said, you ain't or nobody else is never going to touch me again until I'm married. So she said, a little while later, we got married. After we got married, then... She said, we could go to bed together again, and it's okay. God ain't never said another thing. But how many of you know God said the marriage bed's undefiled? It's okay to have sex. That's your wedding gift for a man and woman that's married. But it's totally taboo for one that's not. And who of us would dream that would carry us to hell? But it will. But I've learned there's a lot of things. So this, this series, and I'm going to confirm everything I say with the Word of God. Because <clears throat> what I'm going to do is everything I had been taught or heard from the Baptist books I found out when it comes to eternal salvation. Everything that's not walking with God in obedience to His Word, and I don't ever remember hearing them tell me that. I don't ever remember you have eternal salvation as long as you obey the king. Never heard him say that. But I did hear him say many times, once we get saved, we're always saved. What a controversial issue. But I'm going to teach you what the Word says. I've had to relearn everything. So what I'm going to teach you is going to be from the Word of God. And I'm going to make, let you make your decisions based on the Word of God. It says, And being made perfect... In Hebrews 5, 9, he became the author of eternal salvation. Now, you can't stop right there. Became the author of eternal salvation 
unto all them that obey the Lord. You have to obey. Now, just like me working for that company, as long as I obeyed that VP, and I did whatever he asked me to do, and really diligently went out there to work, I never had any problem. In fact, you know, I'd been through several VPs, and a new VP come into our corporate office. My office was here in the Dallas area, and, and the regional offices were in Houston. And I didn't get down there very often, maybe once a month or two months or sometimes three or four months I wouldn't get to Houston. But a new VP came in, and he'd been my VP for two months. I talked to him on the phone many times, nearly every day or at least every other day, because he had projects for me to do, and I was all over the country doing these things. But one day, he said, Thurman, I'm going to Minneapolis, and I've got an hour, I think an hour and a half or something layover uh, in Dallas. So, so he said, I'm going to leave Houston. I got a, the plane lays over in Dallas, and then it goes on to Minneapolis. So he said, would you come over to gate so-and-so, terminal so-and-so? I want to talk to you and meet you. He said, yeah, you worked for me a couple of months, and I'd never met you personally. I said, sure. So I met him there, and uh, got off. The, he got off the airplane, and uh, we met each other, and uh, I didn't even know what he looked like. So I had a little sign up there, you know, Thurman, my, this is Thurman Scrivener here, you know. And so I'm Thurman Scrivener, you know. So uh, he knew that, and so he'd come over, and uh, we sat down and started talking. And he said, you know, the VP that he called his name, that I took his position, he told me, he said, Thurman, you don't have to worry about. All you got to do is call him and tell him what he want, what you want, and he'll take care of it. And you won't have to call him twice. He gets it done. And so he said, I have plenty of problems within the region. And so right off the bat, I just took that as a truth. And I called you and told you what I wanted, and it happened. He said, I called you later and told you what I wanted, and it happened. And it all happened in record time. So I found out that the last VP knew what he was talking about. I didn't have to do anything, just call you and tell you what I wanted. And it happened. Well, let me tell you. The king has called us in his word and told us what he wanted to do. And most of us have not listened to his word. We don't listen to what the king says. So, he clearly said he is the author of eternal salvation to those that obey him. So, if you want to get home one day knowing that while you're on this earth, you have eternal salvation... You're going to have to read and study the Word of God, and you're going to have to obey this book. Because you and I are going to be judged according to the book, not what the Southern Baptists taught you. Not what the Methodists taught you. Not what the Pentecostals taught you. Not what the Catholics taught you. What the Word of God says. Ain't no place in the book when you get home, when you say, well, Lord, I was a Baptist, and they taught me this. Or I was a Catholic, and they taught me this. He's going to say, but my word is what I'm going to judge you around. My word. So that's why I thought we better look and see what the word says. Then he says, in that Hebrews 14, Hebrews 5.14, he says, but strong meat. Well, let's, let me go back up a couple of verses back, verse 12. For when for the time you might ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the Word of God, and you are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. 
That's a real problem in the church. For everyone that uses milk is unskilled in the word. The word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Billy Graham was asked a question on an interview the other day. If you had your life to do over, what would you do different? He said, I would spend more time studying God's Word. I thought, well spoken by one of the greatest men that's ever lived. A man that has never got tied up in money, although he's handled millions. A man that's never got tied up in sin. A man that's had one simple message, the gospel message of salvation. That's all he teaches. He don't teach anything else. Just salvation. God's given that gift and he's led millions and millions to Christ. But he said, if I had it to do over, I would study the word of God more. Verse 14 says, but strong meat belongs to them that are of full age. Now, that should be for all of us that are a little bit, I mean, older in the Word. I mean, if you've got five or ten years on you since you become a Christian, you should have read the Bible several times through. Several times in five or ten years. And that's the only way you're going to know what's required of you by the owner's manual is to read and study the Word of God. Nowhere did Jesus tell you to read the Word, but He did tell you to study it. Study to show yourself approved unto God. There's a huge difference between those two. So I think we ought to do it his way. Study it. And he says that who have by their, have their, by strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, even those who have by their reason of use, their senses of, what the, have Thereby, okay, I just, I don't know what I was reading there wrong. Have thereby reason of use their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Good and evil. Now then, if you're a child of God and you've studied the Word of God, when somebody comes along and says, Thurman, I want you to go with me this afternoon and we're going to go down to downtown Dallas. Well, I mean, what's my first thought? We're going to Dallas to see somebody to witness for Jesus. I mean, that's, that's where I live. Okay, so we get in the car and we drive down here on Harry Hines and pull up in front of one of these strip joints. He said, let's go in. I said, what? He said, we're going to go in. I said, we going to, is somebody in there we need to witness to? Oh, no, I want you to go with me. We're going to go to the show. And I bought, I bought a fifth of whiskey and some vodka in here, too. And we're going to have some drinks today. Not me, brother. You're going, you, we're going to turn this car around or I'm going to take these keys or I'm going to get out and I'm going to walk. But if this is what your plan is to go in there, I ain't going to be seen in that place. Now, see, that's the ability to discern good and evil. Now, if you're a Christian... And you walk in that place with that guy and you get about half wiped out. You don't have the ability. You're a babe. And you do not have the ability to discern good and evil. You're in trouble. You're walking in sin. So you've not learned the Word of God. Now, this, that place is not for Christians to be in under those conditions. 
if the two of you are going in there to witness to somebody and be an example of somebody, like one day I was with a couple of VPs, and we were staying in the Marriott downtown New Orleans. They said, meet, meet, meet us down in the lobby at 7 o'clock. I said, okay. So I met them downtown in the lobby. I didn't know what they wanted to do. And they said, we're going to take a little tour, and we want you to go with us, and we're going to walk around the corner here, and we're going to walk down Bourbon Street. I said, well, I've heard of Bourbon Street, but I really don't know what it involves. I said, you'll like it. Let me tell you. As we walk down that street, I don't know if some of y'all are as naive as what goes on in the sinful world as I am, but I walked down Bourbon Street that night, and I'm no longer naive to the sin that goes on in Bourbon Street. I walked down that street. I went into several bars with those guys. I drank a Coke, which I don't even drink Cokes anymore. I'm trying not even to, I, somebody, in fact, yesterday, my own daughter-in-law, she said, uh, I went down here to get you a, a hamburger and some iced tea like you asked for, but they were out of iced tea, so I thought I'd just get you a Dr. Pepper. I said, well, if you've already gotten it, I said, I guess I can drink it. But she said, no, I hadn't got it yet. I was just going, I said, no, 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 just get me water. I don't, I said, I haven't had a, a soft drink in a long time. And I said, I'm trying to completely cut myself off from all those things that I know is harmful to my body. And I know soft drinks are harmful to your body. So I said, I'm trying my best, and I'm going to do it. And so I said, I don't want to break my trend today by having one today. So I didn't drink one. But if we're going to, if we're going to get involved in drinking things or whatever we're doing here, we need to make sure that everything we do brings glory and honor to the Lord. And we need to be able to discern both good and evil. Then it says here, if we're fully matured by having exercised our senses to discern both good and evil, we won't get into this sin. And this scripture that talks about the basic things of the principles of the kingdom in Hebrews 6, verse 1, says, Therefore, let's leave the principles of the doctrines of Christ. Let's leave those. And let us go on unto perfection. Not laying again the foundation of repentance. I mean, as a Christian, we're supposed to know we're supposed to repent. We're not supposed to have any sin. Somebody says, I come home every day and repent of all my sins. I said, you really need to read the Word of God and start walking pure before God. So when you get home at night, you don't have any sins to repent of. But Thurman, you know we're all wicked sinners and we sin all day every day. I said, speak for yourself. Speak for yourself. Once in a while, just like Dan said a while ago, once in a while we as Christians may mess up. But when we mess up, we ought to come to the Father in the name of Jesus right then, right, young lady? And say, Lord, I'm sorry I blew it just now. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't sleep on it. Lord, I'm sorry. I just messed up. I repent, and I won't do that again with your help. That's what he wants us to do. We should not have to come home at night and lay down and say, Oh, God, I'm sorry I went down to that bar today. I'm sorry I had them 14 drinks. I'm sorry that I got a headache. I mean, you see where I'm coming from? You know, I mean, there's churches that teach you can go out and drink and raise hell 
all week long and come Saturday night and go, you know, maybe you can go to church and repent. Now, or Sunday, come to church and repent. You're okay again for another week. I'm telling you, that's not the Word of God. You ain't reading the same book I'm reading. He says, we leave all these basic things from dead works and of faith toward God. We leave all those things. And of the doctrines of baptisms. Most people, the church I was raised up in didn't know there was but one baptism. Water baptism. They had no idea there was a baptism of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, they did know it, but they taught against it. Isn't that amazing? God tells us what's there, and we teach against what He said. Well, when I think about this, I think about what Cheryl and I sat and watched a, a video the other night with this lady, Mary Baxter and Jim Wise. Two men, two people, one woman and one man, that both had had supernatural experiences and had been taken to hell. Have anybody in here read Mary Baxter's The Divine Revelation of Hell? Wow, hands going up several places. Okay. It's quite an awesome book. I read it years ago. She had these experiences, I think, 20 years ago or 25 years ago or whatever. But this guy, Wise or Weiss, he's just had his experience in the last few years. But both of them, what they said, agreed. Now, one of the things Mary said that startled me, as God was taking her through the body of hell, showing her, she said, they're like the body of Christ. Satan has a body. In the center of the earth, hell is formed like a human body. It has legs, arms, and so forth. And she said, in one of the legs that was more torment than she had ever seen, and in that leg, it was all the homosexuals, perverts, lesbians, and adulterers. That's where they all were, in that leg. And she said another place she went, there was a man in a casket and demons were running out and running their spears through the side of the casket. And he was just screaming in agony. And she said, Lord, who is that man that's being tormented so in that casket? And the guy was screaming as Jesus walked by and said, Lord, forgive me, I will preach the truth of your gospel. He said, what does he mean he will preach the truth? He said, he was one of my preachers on earth. He was one of my preachers on earth. One of my preachers on earth. Many people come to know me through his ministry. But he refused to teach the things I revealed to him from the Word of God. And because he would not do what I told him to do, he's going to spend eternity here. That's scary, isn't it? But she had several examples like that. Some of you have read the book maybe may remember those. I thought, God, let me preach whatever you reveal to me. I don't want to do nothing except what you tell me to do. Because, Lord, I don't want to go to hell. I can remember E.V. Hill one day. I was watching him on TBN, and he was down at Coral Gables, Florida. And he stood up a Baptist preacher in, in D. James Kennedy's church. I, don't, I think they're Episcopals or whatever they are. But he got up in that church, and he was preaching. Because TBN was invited there. The Crouches were there and two or three other preachers were there and they asked E.V. to preach. Well, he preached on salvation. And he said, I had a preacher tell me about how bad hell was and the fires of hell. And he said, let me tell you, when the invitation was given, 
I didn't know anything about Jesus, but I knew I didn't want to go to that place that preacher had been talking about. So he said, I went running down that aisle and fell on my knees for one reason. I didn't want to go to hell. He said, that's the only reason I went down there and made Jesus Lord of my life. I did not want to go to hell. I wanted to go to heaven. After I heard him talking about these flames and fires and the worm dies not and all this stuff, he said, I got saved because I didn't want to go to hell. Now, if any of you knew E.V. Hill while he was here on earth, he just died recently. But he run the soup kitchens in California. He produced fruit for the kingdom of God. I mean, he walked into whenever they had that big devastation out there. He took some of his church members. He went down there where the bloods and whatever you call them guys, them wicked guys, he went down and he preached the gospel to them people. He went in there taking a chance on his life. And he changed those men's lives that was those wicked people that was doing all that devastation and destroying L.A. And he stopped it. The police couldn't stop it. They was afraid to go in there. But E.V. Hill went in there and done it as a preacher. He produced fruit for the kingdom. He loved God with all of his heart. He fed the multitudes. I think four, three or 4,000 meals a day. They fed people that were underprivileged and handicapped. And I, they, it's awesome what he did for the kingdom. When he died and went to heaven, what do you think God said when he walked in? He sure didn't say, you old wicked critter. I don't know who you are, did he? When that boy got saved, he got saved. And he become a child of God. He was winning the law, started a church, fed the hungry. He done everything. So he's going to be one of those, no doubt. He was true, and he didn't get back into sin no more. Isn't that amazing? He stayed over on God's side. So God was his author of eternal salvation. He was saved. He was. It was a fact. But it says here that when... We leave these doctrines of the baptism and of the laying on of hands. So few churches believe in these principles, but yet they're in the Word of God. And of the resurrection from the dead. You know, some people today don't even believe Jesus rose from the dead. There's some people standing in the pulpits don't believe that he was born of a virgin. It's amazing. And of eternal judgment. These are basic things. We leave those. And he says, then we'll go on to other things if God permits. Because look at this next verse one more time. Verse 4. For it is impossible. How do you interpret it is impossible? What do you do with that? What does it is impossible? You know, we talk about the promises of God. If you believe God, nothing shall be impossible with you. Right, Brittany? What does that mean? If nothing's impossible, if you're an obedient daughter, and God says, if you'll do what I tell you, nothing's impossible. What kind of prayers can you pray for a new little sister that the doctors say ain't going to make it? And you pray without ceasing, and today she wastes nearly seven pounds when they didn't think she is ever going to make it because of your prayers and a lot of other people's prayers. Little ladies and men like you that are walking obedience to God's Word, those prayers were answered, and a little girl that technically couldn't live is at home now. Is that right? So what's, what's impossible if you obey God? Nothing. Now we understand that, don't we? I love it when God says, nothing is impossible with you if you believe. Don't you like that, Michael? I love that. But look here. He said, for it is impossible. Uh-oh. 
If it is impossible, we need to see what he's going to say. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift. Who is the heavenly gift? Who? Jesus. Sure. And were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good Word of God. You've studied it. You've read it. You've really immersed yourself in the Word. And of the powers of the world to come. You've laid hands on the sick. You've cast out the devils. You've spoken to tornadoes and seen them stop. You've controlled the weather. You've controlled your own life in the name of Jesus. You've walked in divine health. You've walked in no sickness and disease. You've truly tasted the power of the Word of God and walked in it. And then he says, If you shall fall away, if you shall fall away to renew you again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put Him to an open shame. And then he goes into an example to tell you what he means. That's a little more than the average Christian can stomach. I used to sit with a group of Baptist deacons and men, and I'd talk about that. I'd say, what do you guys think about this? Well, Thurman, that's not what he's talking about. I said, if that's not what he's talking about, then pray tell what does he mean? But they would never, I never had a Baptist agree with me that that verse means what it says. Never. In the Baptist churches, they always explained it away. PhDs, THDs, or whatever you call them. In fact, night before last, I went into the Internet and typed in my name under the Google. Just typed in Thurman Scrivener. 765 times it found me somewhere. And then one of the places down through there, it says, I talk about a report on Thurman Scrivener's teaching. So I thought, okay, I clicked on that. And it was a THD from one of the Bible organizations that was critiquing what I said and virtually everything I said. Scrivener, he's not the flamboyant guy that wears the $5,000 suits. You know, he's an old country boy, and a lot of people will believe what he says. He has a, says he has a healing ministry, but you know, what he's teaching is not new. He uses scriptures like Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, 1 Peter 2, 24, Matthew 8, 16 and 17, and believes that God will heal people with those scriptures. Aren't we glad we believe God will heal Jan? Aren't we glad we believe God will heal? When you hear a precious little daughter of God give a testimony how the devil had beat up on her all this time, she came over here. Let me tell you, you know how much I had to do with healing her? Nothing. You know who healed her, don't you, Michael? The King of Kings healed you, didn't it, Jan? I just taught you the Word. I'm just a messenger boy. I just quote His Word. That's all I do. He does the rest. I, I was amazed as I read all those things. I thought, Lord, isn't that something? Here's a guy, a Ph.D. in a Bible seminary, and everything you said, he's saying it's not true. You don't mean what you say. As far as healing's concerned, of course, that's, I, I, I just, I, I feel sorry for him. You know, if he, Scrivener says we can live in divine health. But that's not true. Everybody's going to be sick. I can assure you he's going to be sick. 
You have to have faith to walk in divine health. And I feel so sorry for him if he really is my brother in Christ. He's not teaching the truth of the Word of God. Wow. And he gives us an example. Ty will understand this real easy. He's a farmer. For the earth which drinketh in the rain that comes often upon it, hadn't been very often lately, has it? And it brings forth herbs, meat for them, by whom it is dressed, receive blessing from God. But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected, and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. Then he says, But beloved, we are persuaded of better things of you, and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. He's telling you that if you are a child of God and the rain falls on you of the Holy Ghost and you keep, if you produce good fruit, hey, let's retill this soil and let's bring some more good fruit. Right, Donna? But if you bring up thistles and briars year after year, although the rain falls on it, I get tired of walking on stickers. And so we burn that, don't we? We don't harvest briars and thistles. So I said, but you know, we don't think this is going to happen to you because you're supposed to do those things that accompany salvation. What are Christians supposed to do? Are we supposed to produce good fruit? Absolutely. Well, it gets scarier. Verse 12. Actually, we'll read verse 11 first. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. I mean, I guess that means to the end of the day. You think that means the end of your life? I think so. To the end. That you be not slothful. But followers of those who through faith and patience, what? But followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. What if you don't wait? What if you don't continue to walk in faith? You ain't going to inherit the promises. Wow. And then he goes on to tell all this story about Abraham and all the stuff and how that, and so after Abraham had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Patiently endured. How long are you and I as Christians going to have to endure this walk with God? Let me tell you something. You know, I was talking to a man the other day. I walked into a store up here in Louisville. And, you know, I just told the Lord, and I said, Lord, as usual, every day, I'm about your business. You've got somebody that needs a word from you, you just bring them to me. Lord, I'll do anything you tell me. Well, I'm shopping for stuff, and I'm up there in one of the big stores in Louisville, and I'm in a hurry. I'm walking across there to get some stuff right quick, and I hear a guy say, Sir! And I thought, he said, Sir! And I thought, is he talking to somebody talking? I turned, and there's a, he's pointing at me. I said, Oh, okay. So I stopped. He come running over there. He says, Can I ask you a question? I said, sure, right after I asked you one. He said, okay. I said, are you a born-again Christian? 
He looked at me and I said, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Oh, yeah, yeah, I do. I said, great. You're my brother in Christ. Where do you go to church? Well, he said, my wife and I don't go to church. I said, oh, so you're a reprobate. You're a rebel. He said, what do you mean? I said, you said you're a Christian. I said, God told you clearly in his word. Forsake not the gathering of yourselves together on a regular basis as a man or some are. He clearly told you that in Hebrews 10.25. So if you're a child of God, why aren't you in church? Well, he said, you know, he said, I, I, well, we just, we just don't have time to go to church. I said, well, you got time to go to hell? He said, what do you mean? I said, you got to be obedient to serve God. you got to produce fruit. If you get out there in the devil's world, I said, you better really enjoy it. Because when you die in your sin, if you're not serving God, if you do get to heaven, if you really are God's child, you ain't going to get a single reward. And you may be teetering on the side of falling into hell when you die. He said, really? I said, really? So we talked a little while. And then all of a sudden he looked at me and he said, I can't wait to get home to tell my wife what happened to me today. (laughs) I don't know what him and his wife had told She may have been bugging him, but we need to go to church. Well, he ran into a man that told him he needs to go to church. So he said, I can't believe this, but I can't wait to get home to tell my wife what I've encountered today. And I started to leave and I said, oh, by the way, you had a question for me. Oh, yeah. He said, I forgot. He said, don't you need an eye examination or a check on your eyes? I said, but I guess you probably don't, do you? I said, no, I'm okay. And I just went on. A divine appointment. A divine appointment. That's what God told us to do is His children. You know, and when we see somebody that is His children, you know, we're not supposed to condemn them. We're supposed to do it in love. But you've got to tell them the truth. But you've got to be bold. You know, you can't just say some flippant little things. You've got to do what the Holy Spirit leads you to do. And when he tells you, then the Lord will work on that. Then, after he tells us we're not to be slothful, and then after Abraham done all that, he got what he was, his promise. Now then, I'm going to read this in the Living Bible, and I'm not going to expound on it near like I did in the King James, because this is so clear you don't need to expound on it. In Hebrews 5, 4, The Living Bible says there is no use trying to bring you back to the Lord again if you have once understood the good news and tasted for yourself the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit and know how good the Word of God is and you felt the mighty powers of the world to come and then you have turned against God. You cannot bring yourself to repent again if you have nailed the Son of God to the cross again by rejecting Him. You hold Him up to mocking and to public shame. That's pretty clear, isn't it? So don't turn your back on the king. Not unless you want to go to hell. Don't turn your back on the king. Wow. That's awesome stuff. Now then, let's go over to Hebrews 10, verse 22. Go a little further. Hebrews 10, 22. Every word in the Word of God is in there for a reason. Look what he says in Hebrews 10, 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us draw near with a 
true heart. Not one that's mixed up with the world. Not one that went out last night and got wiped out and had a New Year's Eve party where you drink and got drunk and done things you're not supposed to do. And you went home and didn't remember waking up, didn't remember going home, but you woke up this morning. You know how many people in the world probably did that? You know how many people in the United States of America probably went out and had that kind of a party and woke up this morning and they woke up in bed with somebody that wasn't their mate? You know how many people probably did that last night? Just think, if those people died in that sin, they're taking a chance of busting hell wide open. I'll tell you for sure, when the Lord says sin has pleasure for a season, you better enjoy your sin. Because if you die in that sin, and it happens to be a place that's going to teeter you over the side and you wind up in hell, you better really have enjoyed the sin because you're going to pay for it forever. I hear people all the time. But daddy, mama, or son, or daughter, you're living out there in the world. You're going out and drinking and doing drugs. But I'm saved, mama, or I'm saved, son. I'm okay. I went to a Baptist church, and I got saved years ago. I went five years after that. I learned a little of the Bible, but I heard the preacher say several times, once saved, always saved. So I know I'm okay. Yeah, I know I may be, I know I divorced your mother, and I know I'm sleeping around with three or four other women, but you know, God understands I'm a man, I have needs, He don't mind. You think God minds, Michael? You think He minds? If I died in that sin, guess where I might wind up? Sure. In hell. But Lord, I'm washed in the blood. He said, I said that you have eternal salvation to all them that obey me. You haven't been obeying me. I told you to avoid fornication. Did He even not say that in the New Testament? Avoid fornication. I mean, He said that so many times, I don't see how I missed it. I mean, I, as I sit and read the Bible, that's just like I'm reading a whole brand new book. I'm seeing words now that I've never seen before. Let us draw near with a true heart. You know what it means to have a true or pure heart? It means you didn't go out and live in sin last night. You know, you didn't do that. In full assurance of faith. So if you come to God with a true heart, I can come to Him in full assurance knowing that when I get to lay hands on a beautiful little lady like this that had sin and tell her what to do, I expect God, and I don't have to do something wild or stupid like push you down, Jen. I just pray for you and God healed you as you walked off. With a true heart, I can come to Him in full confidence of faith that when I speak, He will heal you. And you're grateful, aren't you? And I bet you're grateful too, brother, her husband. Guarantee. That's why there's no power in the church today. Because we don't walk in this. I had a man drive from New Mexico the other day to come see me. He called and said, can I come? And I said, sure. And he came and sat down with me and he said, him and his wife. And he said, I believe the Word of God exactly like I hear you teach it on GLC. But he said, I in my entire life have never seen a man 
could make the Word of God work in power. But he said, you've done it. You've done it. And I want to know how you do it. You know how we do it? We study the Word of God. We try our best to walk totally pure and holy before God. We fast and pray regularly. We do all the things God says. And then whenever I spend those hours studying and doing what He says, then when I pray, just like this morning, Cheryl had to help her daughter last night because she didn't have, she owns a restaurant and they were really busy last night. And so Mama, we were out there the night before that and she said, Mama, I don't know how I'm going to make it. I can't get enough people to work. Cheryl said, well, I guess I can come help you. I can seat people or whatever you want me to do. So Cheryl had to do a lot of standing. And so this morning when she woke up, she said, honey, both of my legs are hurting terrible. I haven't hardly slept at all. Would you pray for me? I reached over and laid my hands on those legs and asked the Lord to take away all of her pain. And she went to sleep in a few minutes. When she woke up, she said, they didn't hurt anymore after you prayed. Do I love seeing God do something like that? Now, she just stood a lot. She wasn't in sin, but she was just standing over exerting her body a little. And her body was retaliating a little. But when I prayed and asked the Lord to take it away, He did. And so she got to sleep a couple of good more hours then. Do you love to see God answer your prayers like that? Well, let me tell you. You come to Him with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. You know what that pure water is? The Word of God. Do you know what happens when worldly men get to thinking about the flesh? They start dreaming about things. And when they start dreaming about things, some men that are dreaming about going to bed with some girl have no idea that they're lusting and sinning right there. And they're sinning. Did you know I had a little lady I was teaching these things to? And she came to me one day and she was going with a young man. And him and her were really getting close. They were sitting there in each other's arms. I mean, she's a Christian. And she knew she couldn't go there sexually. She had been taught that. She knew that. But she said, I was sitting there. She said, I often ask the Lord, Lord, speak to me like you do, Thurman. I'd love to hear your voice. We were there locked in each other's arms, kind of kissing, getting a little closer than we should. And all of a sudden, she said, I got the dreaming. I wonder what it would be like to have sex with him. And she said, all of a sudden, I heard God speak to me. He said, stop it. You are sinning. She said, I pushed away from him. And God, he said, what's wrong? She said, oh, that's all right. I think I just better sit on the other side of the car for a little while. She wasn't going to tell him she was dreaming about committing fornication with him, but that's what she was dreaming of. And how would you like for God to speak to you? And the first time he speaks to you, he tell you, stop it, you're sinning. That's not exactly what we want to hear the king say, is it, Ty? 
Not hardly. We want to hear him say, well done, son. You've done such a good job. That's what we want to hear. But, but fortunately for us, sometimes he tells us the rest, and that straightens us up. Man, she said, I got away, and I had to just not go there no more. And it's amazing, isn't it, how we get to thinking about these things. We don't know what sin is. Now, that sin's not going to cause her to lose her salvation, because she didn't go there. What if she had have went there? That still wouldn't cause her to lose her salvation right then. The king's going to try to convict her. What you're doing is wrong. Then she could do what Jan said, immediately repent, say, Lord, I'm sorry, in the weakness of a moment, I failed, but I won't do that no more. She repented. She's okay. What if she says, no, God, I'm not going to stop it. I'm just going to move in with him. And she does. She moves in with him. And then they live together six months or six years. And then she gets killed in a car wreck. She was washed in the blood. Where's she going to wind up at, Sharon? In hell. That's exactly right. In hell. Going to wind up in hell. In eternity in a godless lake of fire. Like that preacher that was in hell. That they were running the spears through. When she said, Lord, what did that, what that preacher do? He was one of my men, one of my pastors that preached my word, but he wouldn't preach all of my word. So he's going to spend eternity in hell because he would not obey me. Scary. Then verse 23 says, let us hold fast. You know what it means to hold on to something? When I get a hold of Jesus, I want to hold on. Hold fast the profession of our faith. Are you saved? Well, I don't know. You know, I go to church sometime. Ah, yeah, I guess I'm okay. You ever ask anybody that question? That's what they tell you? I ask people that all the time. Just like one day, a, a, a young man was working on a forklift for me. And I walked back there and I said, how you doing, son? He said, I'm doing pretty good. I said, anything I can help you with? He said, no, I got it. I'm okay. I said, well, good. I said, are you a Christian? Yeah. Where do you go to church? He said, I don't go to church. I said, why not? He said, me and God got a deal. I said, let me tell you, son, I read the deal. I read it. And the deal is, forsake not the gathering of yourself together on a regular basis. What is it you don't understand about go to church every Sunday? He said, well, but God understands. I said, no, he doesn't, son. I said, if you're disobedient, you do not know the king. He says in his word, if you are really my child, you will obey me. He said, if you say you know me and you do not, you do not obey me, you are a liar and the truth is not in you. That's right out of the word of God. Verse by verse, word for word. The king said that. So, there's going to be a lot of people that ain't going to make it to heaven and think they're going to be okay. But when you realize the importance of this and you teach what this book says, it makes you realize the importance of obeying everything God says. Most people have no problem when they go to work for a company knowing there's requirements and they got rules and you got to abide by those rules. What time you want? We don't walk in and go to work for a company. What time you want me to come to work? 
Okay, I'd like for you to come to work at 7.30 every morning. Oh, okay. What time do I get off? 5.30 every afternoon. And you get a one-hour lunch break from 12 to 1. Okay, no problems. I'll come bouncing next morning at 9. Whoops. That ain't going to fly already, is it, David? I'm, what's wrong? You are and a half late. What happened? Well, I overslept a little this morning. Okay, and then no coffee breaks because you already missed it. Okay, so from 9 till 12, you got three coffee breaks. I mean, you know, you ain't supposed to have none, but you take three. And, of course, they're short ones, only half hour each. <laughs> Depends on who's paying the bill as to who thinks that's short. You all know where I'm coming from? A guy like that don't last long in a job. But a guy that works in, walks in, and like a guy that worked for me, I had a guy work for me 20-something years, and 20-something years, if he was supposed to be there at 7.30 or 8, whatever time it was, I changed his schedule a few times, but let's say he was scheduled to come in at 7.30. I could be in the cafeteria at 7 o'clock, and I guarantee he was already there having breakfast. That guy in 20-something years was never late one single time. Not one time. And he was usually at least a half hour late. And one day I was having trouble getting there because we had snow and ice all over the place. I had to stop and get my chains out, put them on my truck to get to work and everything. And I usually got there 7 or 7.30. And that morning it was about 7.45 before I got there. And I walked in and I walked in the cafeteria and there's Wayne sitting there having his bowl of cereal. I said, what time do you get here? He said, oh, about 7. You know, I said, no problem. I said, wow, you must have really left early. He said, I watched the news last night. I saw there's going to be ice. I put my chains on my car last night before I went to bed. So this morning I got up. I come right on out here. No problem. I was prepared. Never late in 20 years. Never late. Isn't that amazing? It was only one thing in my life I asked that man to do he wouldn't do. One day we had a fire in a compactor, huge compactor, so we throw junk, trash in, you know, food, slop, everything went in there. But somehow we got a fire up in that thing. And they called the Thurman, we need you to come out here quick. We need you to get one of your guys out here or something. We got a fire in the compactor. So I went running out there and sure enough, it's blazing up in there. I told him, I said, Wayne, I said, take that big uh, fire hose there and water, wake off, open that big door on that thing, walk in and put that thing out. He looked at that and he said, that's one thing I'm not going to do. I said, okay. I reached over and got it. I didn't even take my shoes off. I didn't take my, my slacks off. I, I just walked right through that slop, walked in and opened the door, put the hose in there, and I put it out. When I got it put out, I walked back out. I took the fire hose and I washed the trash and the slop and the crud off of my britches, off of my shoes, and everything and hung the sucker up and walked off. I put it out myself. A little later, I had something one day. I said, i got something here I'd like for you to do. And it wasn't exactly clean and nice like he would have liked to have had. But he looked at me and he said, I'll do it. I said, oh, well, I said, why? He said, because I know if I don't, you will. <laughs> yeah. That's the way you've got to be known, right? You don't ever ask a man to do something for you you're not willing to do yourself. But let me tell you, our king went a step beyond anything any of us will ever be able to do. So because he went those steps, like Cheryl and I, we, the new Christmas night, we watched The Passion one more time. And I couldn't, I, when, when we sat and watched that, I think, oh God, what you did for us. 
what you did for us. That ought to make us want to teach His Word and walk holy and pure before Him with no sin in our life. When you think about what He did so you could be healed. He took a beating that not a human being on this earth could take. I guarantee if they'd have beat you or me like they did Jesus, it would have killed us. I couldn't have carried His cross up that hill right now in the shape I'm in right now, much less after they'd beat me like they did Him. And any of you think that? I tell you what, I'm telling you, if that cross was anywhere close as big as it was in that picture of that beam, that was a big log. And let me tell you, if those logs are this big around and they're eight feet long, let me throw a log that size on your shoulder sometime. Let's say you walk off with that booger. The average man couldn't carry a log that big in good health from here to the back of the room without setting it down. And Jesus carried it nearly all the way up that hill until Joseph of Arimathea came to help him. What a man! That's all i got to say. What a man. But because of what he did, he became the author of eternal salvation to all that will obey. But those that don't obey, you're going to either die prematurely with sickness and disease, and any time you walk in sin, you will open the door to the devil, and you will have sickness and disease come upon your body. And usually, just like Jan told us a while ago, she never dreamed that the numbness in her arms and down to her hands happened when her sin happened, or there in a close proximity. Never put the two together. Never. But how many people do I know that same things like that have happened, many of them much more serious diseases? I read that article we read the other day, you know, that it talks about the AIDS in Africa. They're talking about in just four more years, half the population of Africa will die with AIDS. Just like AIDS in the United States. You don't have to spend billions and billions of dollars to find a cure for AIDS. I have it. Abstinence and one man and one woman. And AIDS will go away in one generation. And then if people will repent... If people will repent, we pray for them, they can even get healed, can't they? Isn't it? Wasn't it easy for God to heal you that day? It's so wonderful how Jesus does these wonderful things. I love it when He does these things for His little sons and daughters. Don't you? I love to see God do these things. So now then, if we hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promised so if He is faithful and He promised eternal salvation to all them that obey, if you obey Him and walk in obedience to His Word, what can you stand before Him one day with full assurance when you stand in His presence? I'm your son. I'm your daughter. And that's when He'll say, Well done, faithful servant. Come in. And of course, in the next few weeks, we're going to talk about many of these promises from God's Word. Scriptures that I never studied as a Southern Baptist. We never talked about a lot of these scriptures. When I was in Southern Baptist, the Southern Baptist Convention from Nashville, they do the lesson plans. And they just pick things they want here and there. 
And they send them out to you. And that's what you teach. And I taught that for 10 years. And I never saw God do a miracle. And I don't think I ever changed anybody's life with anything I taught. But when God spoke to me that day and told me, and this is what he said. It was a Friday night. I was studying a lesson plan in a Southern Baptist booklet. And the Lord spoke to me and said, Son, lay that book down. Lay that book down. He said, I want you to teach just my word in your Sunday school class. And I want you to teach it totally from my book. I want you to lay that book down. I laid that book down that night and I've never picked up another one. I even went to my pastor. I was just a deacon in that church. I went to him and told him, I said, the Lord laid on my heart. I didn't tell him God spoke to me because he probably had trouble believing that. But I said, the Lord laid on my heart to stop teaching from the quarterly and start teaching just the Word of God. And I said, I'm going to start a special class. And anybody that wants to come are welcome to come. But I want them to know in advance I'm not going to teach from the Baptist quarterly any longer. And he made an announcement from the pulpit. And I started, and I started in the book of Ephesians. And before that teaching was over, I had seen several people's lives change. In fact, one of the men and his wife, they came to that. They were a lovely couple, middle-aged. One night there, well, actually we had class on Sunday, and we started having Bible studies at night, one night a week. And I said, you know, seven till nine, give time, people time to get there. Well, seven to nine, some of the people said, you're going to have a two-hour Bible study? I said, well, we're going to see how it works. And, you know, amazing. We would try to start at seven, and we'd try to round it up at nine, thirty, forty-five, ten, thirty, eleven, eleven, thirty. 10, 30, 11, 11, 30. And the classes started lasting three and four and five hours. And I couldn't get them to go home. I said, look at my watch. Don't y'all know? It's 11 o'clock. Oh, but I got one more question right here. I never had that trouble out of that quarterly. But out of the Word of God, I have this problem. And then after a few weeks, I have this lady. One night she says, before we go home tonight, I want to be anointed with oil. Do you have any anointing oil with you? And I said, well, yeah, out in my truck. She said, would you go get it? I said, well, what's wrong with you? I didn't think of nothing wrong with her. She said, I was raised up in a very dysfunctional family, and I'm on 30 different drugs. I take a handful of medicine every day and have for years. She says, tonight I'm going to be set free from what I've learned in this class. I went and got that bottle of anointing oil, and I came in, and, and I come in, and of course, I'm going to do like I always do, stick my finger in the bottle and get a little out and put a little drop on here. She just... Bowed her head over. She said, pour it on me. I said, no, ma'am, I don't have to pour it on you. I, she said, well, I heard, I read in the Bible one time where one of the kings had poured it on and oil run all, all over. So she said, pour it on me. I said, I said, ma'am, I don't want to ruin your clothes. I said, to Jesus, I serve. He'll deliver you and heal you. All you got to have is faith. And so I dipped my finger and put a little on her head and prayed the prayer of faith for her. She went home and flushed all of her pills at one time. The next week, Wednesday, that was on, I think, Friday, Thursday or Friday. The next week, on Wednesday, she goes to her doctor. She said, Doctor, I just want to tell you, I ain't coming back. He said, well, what do you mean you're not coming back? You've been coming for years. He said, but this is over. I finally met Jesus, a healer. 
And he healed me Friday, Thursday, whatever. I won't be back. He said, now wait a minute now. All these drugs you've been on, you can't just get off of them quickly. It's going to take a long time. She said, I flushed them all last Thursday night when I got home. I ain't ever felt better in my life. I ain't never had a pain. She said, it's over. I am healed. And then that woman, she wanted to join the choir. She started singing in the choir. And when she's singing, she's up there and she's raising her hand. She can hold her song with her one hand, praising the Lord. Well, it wasn't long till she was asked by the pastor, well, you need to tone it down a little. She said, but Jesus healed me. I can't tone it down. And then her husband came to me and said, Thurman, do you know how, did you know that I have a Ph.D. from the seminary? I said, I had no idea you had a Ph.D. from the seminary. And he said, they didn't teach me in seminary what you've taught us in this book. We said, what you taught us in this book has changed my wife's life forever. And since it changed hers, it's changed mine. He said, I now know I've been deceived. Well, they both got so wild in their worship and praise that they had to leave the Baptist church and they went to a Pentecostal church. And I think they even created quite a stir over there in the Pentecostal church. But all I can say is the Word of God, when it's taught like it's written, will change people's lives. And all i got to say to you, if you're teaching God's Word and it's not having an effect on people's lives, you ain't teaching all of God's Word. If you're not getting people saved, healed, and delivered, you're not teaching enough. If you're going to church every Sunday somewhere, and you ain't no better today when you walk out here than you was when you come in here, you either was went to a dead church or you didn't pay attention. Your life should be better or different today. When you walk out here today, you've got to realize the king goes with you. I don't go with you, but the king goes with you. And he's going to watch everything you do today. And you better make sure every thought is clean and pure. When you go sit down to a restaurant after a while to have dinner, or if you go home before you eat, he says, let everything be prayed over and sanctified with the Word of God in prayer with thanksgiving. So don't let that sin be added to you today. When you sit down to take a drink of water, a while ago, as I always do, I got me a bottle of water, I blessed mine, and I said, Lord, and I bless all of this to everybody's body in this place today in the name of Jesus. So let your life be different Walk holy before Him, realizing that if you obey Him, you have eternal salvation. But if you don't obey Him, you don't know where the split is that's going to take you into sickness and disease or maybe even into physical death, which you still can get home. But somewhere that splits out there that if you get past that point, if you die in that sin, it'll take you to hell. But yet you are washed in the blood. Only God knows where that line's at. I don't know where that's at, but it's there. So don't take the chance. Don't take that second path. Take the straight and narrow. Then you don't have nothing to sweat. Now today's the first day of the first day of the year and the first Sunday of the year, first Sunday of the month, and we do communion. So we're going to have communion. So we've got everything laid out over here. I would like for uh, whoever's uh, going to do that uh, to take the bread and the wine and begin to pass that out so that we can take communion. Now, I want you to think this bread that we take is a representation of the body of our Savior. The one that was beaten and bruised for you and I. So that by His stripes we are healed.
Now then, like Jan said, when she learned, and she had never heard in her life, that sin opens a door for sickness to come into her body. But when she heard that, and then she went back and checked it, she saw there was a correlation between the two. And when she stopped sinning and started walking holy before God, and started walking in faith, then she could walk in health and how many, have you noticed how many things she had wrong with her? How many did you hear her say has gone away now? All of them? Isn't that amazing that God is the author of healing? The one that made the word sozo that promised to heal all of our diseases? Wow. What a Jesus we serve. All you need to do is make sure that you've got all of your sins repented of and that you're walking in obedience to His Word. And when you do that, He is not only the author of eternal salvation, but He's the author of eternal healing or divine health. Let me tell you, it's fun, and it's it's living in obedience to God's Word. It's fun. Jesus said, you'll never enjoy life till you find my promises. And He knows what He means. I mean, you, you can think you're having a ball living in the world. I mean, I think about this lawyer. I heard this guy give his testimony at a businessmen's meeting one time. This guy said, I was one of the most affluent lawyers in the Dallas area. He said, I had buildings, complexes that belonged to me. I had them rented out. I had money coming in. And he said, I had a different woman every night if I wanted her. And he said, I found myself out here right now where there's a lot of buildings in North Dallas, just on the other side of 635. He pulled out into a field out there one night, reached into his glove box and took out his 38 and stood up beside the car and cocked it and put it to his head. And he said, I'm tired of living. I'm tired. The guy was only 40 years old. He said, I'm tired of putting up with the nonsense of the world. Had money driving a brand new Mercedes Benz. He really knew how to live. Everybody, a lot of young men would have given anything to been where he was, they thought. But they didn't want to be where he was. And he said, all of a sudden, the radio, and I never put my radio on a Christian radio station, but all of a sudden it was on a Christian radio station, and some preacher was preaching about Jesus. He said, I stood there with that 38 to my temple with it cocked with my finger on the trigger, listening to the Word of God spoke. He said, as I listened a few minutes, I took the gun down, I laid it down the seat, and I fell on my knees in my $5,000 suit in the dirt of that field and asked Jesus to forgive me and come into my heart and save me. Yep, and he did. He, he, is he a merciful God? Oh, he's beyond our wildest dream. But once he washed him and cleaned him up, that boy changed. He didn't go back to all that junk. He didn't keep hanging out in them bad places. He didn't have a different woman every night. The man met a good woman. He married her and then had a family. And he's still a great lawyer today. And he's a Christian. And he, But he goes to church and he's walking obedience to the Word. Think how close he was to hell. He thought he was going to get rid of his problems, Keith. It probably just fixed a start, weren't they? But now then, he's learned, and because of those things, what was it the king did? First of all, he gave his body to be beaten and bruised and pierced so that we could be healed. But with that healing, it goes along 
with our eternal salvation, he tells us to be clean and pure and holy and no sin in us. No sin. Does anybody know what no sin means? We as Christians are to have him as an example and there was no sin in him. None. So if we have no sin in us, he said, by my stripes, you're healed. Thank goodness. And then every time we do make a little mistake, which shouldn't be very often, what we do, we immediately repent. We don't wait till the next day. We immediately repent right then and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I messed up, but forgive me. And he will. Doesn't mean you might not get a demon in the process that you may have to drive out. But you can get one of them too. I've experienced that also. But because of this piece of bread, I can stand before you healed because I've received him as my healer. And it's worked for 20 years. By faith, this bread is the body of our Savior. And he said, if you don't take it and don't eat it, you have nothing with me. Well, I want him to be in me. So, Lord, we take this bread as a symbol of your flesh. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. As I watched that movie the other night, how they mercilessly beat the Savior with whips, rods, cat of nine tails, tore flesh off of his body. The whole area around where he was beaten, if you saw the passion, was covered with blood. That blood, the most precious thing in the universe. There's nothing in the world more precious than that blood. That blood cleansed you of all of your sins, washed you, purified you. And since it did purify you and wash you, let it be a cleansing purification that will go on in your life forever so that you don't have to come to him every day and say, Lord, I'm sorry I did this or that. I went out and sinned last night or yesterday. Walk holy and obedience to his word. And when you do, it says the blood of Jesus continuously cleanses you from all unrighteousness in 1 John. You don't even have to repent because you're not going to be sinning. You're going to be walking holy. And the blood, this most powerful thing there is, will wash and clean you. After you repent of any sin, you ask for the blood to wash and cleanse and purify you. And it will. But whatever you do as a Christian, don't willfully sin after you have the knowledge of the truth. Because we'll talk about that too. It's very deadly for Christians that know the truth to sin. You, don't, you won't like the results. And it could take you out of this earth far prematurely. But Father, we thank you for the blood of your Son that was poured out for us. We thank you, Lord, for your Word, which we can study it and we can know what you like and don't like because you wrote it all in your Word. And you didn't 
cut us short anywhere. You made us, you gave us example after example after example from different men and different books and different chapters. So we know what your will is. And it's no sin to walk in divine health and to walk clean and pure and to walk holy before you because of this blood. Thank you, Lord, for doing it for us. We praise you and worship you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. More and more, that blood means more and more to me all the time. Father, in the name of Jesus, I want to thank you for this day and for the beauty of it. I thank you for this scriptures and all the things you're going to do as I teach this series and ask you to bless us. As we go through this, open my heart and my mind to the truth of the word and then open everybody that will hear this everywhere they may be, Lord, as I teach this. Open people's hearts and minds to your word so that we will see the seriousness of walking holy in obedience to your word. And we thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.